You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Patricia Lee Stoddard. Patricia, thanks so much for being with me today. Well, thank you for having me. Patricia, we're talking on August 26th in 2021. You're in Chihola, Pennsylvania. What's happening? What's happening at the moment? I mean, today there was, you know, bombing attacks, and it's a pretty, pretty crazy day uh, in the, in the news. How are you? Yeah, what's happening in the neighborhood there, so to speak? I know you're in the country. Well, the news today. For one moment, I thought, "Gosh, I've done a lot of documentaries dealing with people in the military, particularly women. This is so awful. I wonder if I can do this." And then I thought, this is life now, <laughs> so of course I can do this. And I think um, there's that sense of shock that exactly what you worried was going to happen happened, and um, mm-hmm. it must be similar for you and for everyone, right? Right. Right, yeah. and um, absolutely, it's 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 uh, yeah, shocking and upsetting, and uh, you know, on top of an already difficult year and moment, uh, yeah, difficult time in in history in so many ways. Um, so, how how will this affect what you're doing right now? We could talk about a current project, or uh, you know, or how or how you think you know, what's happening right now will, will affect your work. Maybe we should start with that. Do you, you said you don't think you can do this, meaning what, that you couldn't um, make work well, about that? Thinking, or, you know, this is, this is so upsetting. Does, does one still make sense when things don't make sense? But, yes, of course I can, and it really relates to one of the projects I'm working on now as it's a, a film that's currently in production, not in post yet. Once it gets to post, I'll be the composer on the project. But right now I'm a creative consultant, and the project is called Dog Walk Home. And it's about the families of veterans and how service dogs are engaging with the entire family. And it's really kind of dealing with the secondary trauma of having someone come home who's an emotional mess, who has, you know, post-traumatic stress. So in that project now, the, the people being profiled in the film are veterans who already had problems and difficulties coming home and returning to themselves, and their families did, and now the pandemic, and now just, you know, war is just so horrible for everyone engaged and watching the news every night even before what happened today it's just a terrible terrible time for this teeny tiny little one percent of our population who carry the full weight of our different uh military engagements so i am hearing from women vets i've known for a long time from a documentary film I did service when women come marching home and other people and it's um it's heartbreaking as war is hello mm. so that's what relates to right now and i think about how your question how the first um 
after 9-11, the first project I did after that was a doc. I just did music for a documentary film directed by Deborah Schaefer called From the Ashes. And what it was about was how, how the artists who lived within the shadow of the World Trade Towers, how we were all coping. And we were all coping, thanks to our work. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's been you know throughout this whole pandemic, I've I've been interviewing artists, and I've and initially I've heard a variety of things. Initially, um, many artists said, you know, I'm 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 continuing to do work. Artists are used to doing work alone. I'm I'm, I'm doing work. Other artists, um, especially recently, said, I can't do work during this. This is it. It, it almost doesn't seem right. Um, and, and that there's something off, you know, that there's, a, there's, a, there's just a trauma they're dealing with. And, and that was happening around 9-11 too, wasn't it? There was artists that were working, that were saved by the work, and other artists feeling like how, which you alluded to at the beginning, how can you work in a, in a context like this? What can you say? What can you do? What can you be? Uh, it seemed like there, there are two attitudes towards artists. Or and I, and I did hear more in these interviews of people saying, I'm working, you know, but I, but, I, but I also heard a good amount of um, I'm having a lot of trouble working and, and, and thinking about what that means in this context. Yes, it's, it's a really hard time. And my experience has been that there is a kind of um, aesthetic distance that comes in between you as an artist and the event. If you have the opportunity to have your work be at least tangentially related to the event that is so terribly, terribly traumatizing to you. And I, and I felt that after 9-11 when I was working for Deborah. And in the strangest way, I was completely out of touch with my feelings because I was so busy working on music for the film that was about how artists were dealing with 9-11. And right. yet, on the other hand, the process of making art is so deep and mysterious that I really was dealing with it in a fashion I found helpful and healing. And in the process, certainly of some of the documentary films I've been involved with, with veterans, I see um, their, their creation of art very, very healing to them in ways that traditional talk therapy or medication is not. They don't know the art they're making isn't always great art, whatever that means. I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> but that secondary game, if it's good art, it is a kind of mindful place they can be. And it's like the content is, is like a bullet that goes into their heart, but it doesn't draw any blood. And all this stuff is being done unconsciously and things that really words can't convey anyway so mm -hmm. it's a very interesting it's it's very interesting how an artist or even a non-artist can find their way to a safe space through creating something mm. and and maybe we should talk about composing them in that context because of course you're also one of these artists, you know, composing and, and in these projects, um, 
how is how is that approach is is that more difficult in in kind of extreme times um which i know you're used to but but in a, in, a, in a way it's uh, and that's what we're talking about kind of making art or the or the or whatever the studio practice is of, of composing or writing or, or visual art in a in a context that's uh that's that's like a war right like 9-11 or even this pandemic um, has that affected your composing, or is that something that you're already well seasoned to because you're you're used to working in in uh, in very difficult circumstances in terms of um, of the context and content? Well, um, several thoughts. One is that there, are, for me as a composer, there are two kinds of work, and one of them is just kind of making music for yourself. And that is kind of what some people would consider purer art. It's just, it exists for its own sake and just to be perceived. And, um, and then there's scoring a film, which is to serve the narrative arc of a dramatic piece. And I find both times it's always better for me to be working. It's just, um, you know, these, these landmark traumas are um, horrendous. But, you know, life is full of wonderful things and horrible things. And I think when you've been doing it, um, I kind of call myself the blue-collar composer. I just, I go in every day and I do my work. And I'm really glad that I have it to do. And uh, when it's, my own, just my own music for my own sake, it's, um, I don't have to worry about expressing myself because that's what I'm supposed, that's what I'm doing. I need to be a little careful when I'm working on someone else's project to always make sure, especially documentaries, which is what I've done mostly, mostly, not entirely, because I want to serve that piece and I often have my own set of feelings about what the film is about. But I, I don't want to do that. I want to serve the piece and the director's vision. So, I would think that's difficult to separate, though. That's, that's, as, as you mentioned earlier, that's kind of creating an aesthetic distance almost, right, to, uh, to serve yeah, the message of the director as opposed to what must be a tough tug, which is your feelings or, uh, you know, pathos about the whole situation or, or film. Right, right. It, it is a delicate balance, but usually that kind of um, almost a emotional dialectic, I think, actually winds up lending a lot of energy and unexpected direction to the work because it, you do confer all the time with the director and you you get into it and then you come away from those discussions with a different kind of energy so in a way i think all these strong feelings simmer and make the pot boil in an interesting in an interesting fashion and maybe we should talk a little bit more about um dog walk home do you want to tell me a little bit more about where that's at right now well, they were. It's interesting. I've I've 
they are one of the uh, there were two documentaries I've been working on that had their uh, their progress impacted strongly by the pandemic. One was mine. It was going to be a revisit to my film service, and it was going to be partially a revisit. One of the women profiled in it is now incarcerated, and incarcerated women veterans are like the largest growing, one of the fastest growing demographics in women's prisons. That got shut down for the obvious reason was a, a week before the pandemic shut everything down that all our shooting dates were canceled. And in Dog Walk Home, which I'm not involved in the filming, I'm just a creative consultant and soon-to-be composer, what happened was the pandemic came, and the question of the director getting to the, the families, getting to the place where the vets and their families were working with the service dogs, everything got shut down, and the, the producer, Vicki Topaz, of of Dog Walk Home just, I think, brilliantly just embraced what was going on and realized that our entire society, it's like post-traumatic stress is the illness of the moment for the whole world. In fact, it's not an illness. It's an appropriate response to what's going on. So all of a sudden, focusing exclusively on the military uh maybe the military can lead the civilian population in how to deal with trauma because they've had a lot of experience with it and now our healthcare workers and everyone else. So she embraced that and she started Zooming with, um, with the veteran families, the entire families, the children, everybody, who she's profiling in her film and it, it's wonderful material. It's Zoom, so the, the visual quality is awful. And her film had, had one, has wonderful, beautiful cinematography. But her decision was to embrace that difference and let it talk about one more level of, of trauma that doesn't just apply to military, but applies to everybody. Hmm. So those yeah, two uh, projects, which were very much active uh that's that that's the two things that happened and just to, my decision about um incarcerated women veterans was i talked to my co-producer marcia rock and we decided to delay everything for two years and just revisit all the women in our film and see how what's happening in afghanistan all of this the pandemic how they had coped with it so that's how it impacted those two projects. Yeah, that's powerful. To, and, 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 and it is a kind of wonderful way to incorporate and reference the, the pandemic and the trauma of it by, by using that footage. So the footage of, of the Zoom interviews will be used, do you think, throughout the film? I think they will, especially if this creative consultant gets to, like, keep presenting my point of view because I think it's an incredible opportunity to approach the issue of trauma, recognizing how many of our military for so long, forever, soldiers' heart, back to the Civil War, have been dealing with this, the, the incredible gift that, that service dogs offer as one of the many healing venues for these people, but also 
to embrace something besides just the military, but all of us, all of us, because I feel like, um, unfortunately, there's just everybody's got some kind of horrible, traumatic experience they've had of, of late. Absolutely, and I, and I suppose that's somewhat of a of a uniting um, experience, you know, which which I always wonder about. It's as though we've all been through a war together. I mean, when if you were in New York City during the time of 9-11, there was a feeling like that. But this is, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's comparable, but this is a, a global situation that that we're all in together and, yeah, and, and feels like it has the, the hallmarks of a, of a kind of traumatic wartime uh, kind of deprivation story that's about life and death. Absolutely. I mean, I was right there in New York with you in lower Manhattan, mm-hmm. and um, there's something about the smell that never went away, right? Uh, the, mm-hmm. Everything about it that was very... It, it was personal as well as global. And I think these international waves of fallout from the pandemic, and it's interesting what you say about it feeling like a war, because I think healthcare, you know, doctors and nurses and everybody, I think they are so exhausted and enraged also. Um, it's It's a really complicated time really really complicated time which i actually know you you interviewed um paul ganega and elise tack and mary chang poets and artists who have been working on a project with me for a long time um uh paging dr faustus (laughs) and yeah um, yeah yeah and um that you know i just think about that kind of grew out of the bankruptcy of St. Vincent's in New York, and that gets to the kind of global, political, intellectual part of all all this, and that project, I think, also has to now deal with all of this to remain um, meaningful. Yeah, it's such a it's such a complex time. I mean, there is there is this whole kind of pandemic trauma we're talking about, but of course also the enormous social upheaval. You know, the the, the last presidency. I mean, it, it it just seems there are so many things happening: climate change, late capitalism. That that um, and yeah, uh, paging Dr. Faustus. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, brings together some of these ideas. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because before 9-11, I was much, much more the composer for hire, just very pure about my music, not having a role in really creating or writing or producing these things. But there's there's one thing that was true then that's true now, and I'm interested to hear from you if you're hearing this from artists. But every once in a while, I would be in a situation where I would feel how my work had touched someone's life in fact a funny time i remember as i was i was in a i was shopping and i heard about two aisles over um a child probably a two-year-old in absolute unbearable hysterics you know the kind when you force yourself to remind yourself that you love children and this just happens and all of a sudden i heard her mother start to sing 
a song I had written for Sesame Street to this kid in the middle of a temper tantrum, and the kid started singing, and the temper tantrum was over. <laughs> That's amazing. That's such a great story. Oh, it, was, it was incredible. So then, and what was like, the song? Because I, I know you've written for Sesame Street. What was the song? Well, it was. It's called. It was the artichoke song. It was part of their healthy fruits and vegetables. Okay, okay, great. You know, it was like leaf by leaf, take me apart till you reach my tender heart. You know, it was just a a goofball song about an artichoke. But I I think if I were, were to look objectively of kind of moments I love about my work as the kind of blue collar composer, it's it's those moments. So I came home in this flurry of like, oh, I've made a difference in the world. <laughs> and um, I went online. I thought, this is interesting. I'm going to check this out. And I looked, I looked up Sesame Street artichoke song, and I saw a little kid in Japan had made a YouTube of it. And I just thought, okay, okay, that's it, Stoddard. You've had a moment. You made somebody's life better. You can go to sleep now. I mean, just kind of funny. But on a more serious level, um, that's what's been so compelling and changed the nature of my work after 9-11, I think, because I realized art can touch and art can heal and art can do all these important things. Mm. that are truer so true. than true. We need more artists and fewer politicians. <laughs> I agree. Thank you for saying that and, and, and sharing that, that story. I want to ask you one more question, which is what are you reading at the moment? The last book I read, I'm, I just finished, was called, a book called A Paragon, which I recommend highly. I, I'm... Of course, because I'm in an interview, I'm blocking on, on the name of the author. But it's called The Paragon, and it, there actually was a documentary made about two of the characters in the novel. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And a very musical kind of architecture holding the, the whole book together. I recommend everyone read it. And that's uh, a paragon. I think it's by Colin McCann. Is that correct? Thank you very much. I should have had my uh, my laptop in my lap. <laughs> yes, thank no you. No problem at all. Um, thanks for sharing that. And I, I want to thank you for talking with me today and doing the work you're doing. Um, thank you so much for, for, for all the work you've done, but for your interview today. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.